Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. As we mentioned, game week, even though it's week zero, Florida in action against Miami and a ton of news. We'll have more breakdown as we uh, did earlier this week on uh, Florida and Miami as we get closer to that game. But we've got a bunch of big-time news. And big-time news in preseason camp means naming starting quarterbacks. And that happened in Auburn. You predicted this weeks ago. So... I'm not incredibly surprised, uh, Chris, but uh, Bo Nix named the starter. We'll get to that. First, I want to remind you, support of your Locked On SEC Football Podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank, Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. So I'm guessing you're not surprised that Bo Nix was named the starter. You pulled out an incredible stat. It was the first time a true freshman named the starter since the year after World War II ended. That's a long run. Yeah, it's uh, for them. And obviously we've got – we may have another one at North Carolina um, – you know, but for Auburn, it's been uh, it's been a while. There's no question about it. Uh, look, I think it came down to if it was going to be close. I think that that and it was. You know, Gatewood's got a little more experience. The problem is with the experience, he didn't move the team as well in scrimmages. Um, and Bo Nix is a better passer. I do not think it's the end of Joey Gatewood. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays. Um, I mean, how Bo Nix performs and develops is going to determine, you know, how much uh, how much time Gatewood gets. Uh, but, you know, I just think that people made the assumption, just a general assumption, that uh, Gatewood's been in the program a little bit longer, so he's likely to get it. And that is a general assumption you can make. But as it related to this situation, he did not perform Bo Nix. And I don't know that, that, that they're – um, you know, looking at Bo is certainly far from a a polished, you know, prospect at this point uh, or a polished player, but he's a really good prospect, and he's got a lot of talent throwing the football, and they think he's got some ability uh, to move and do some of the things they want to do. So it's going to be uh, fun to watch and see how this team develops. It's going to be an interesting dynamic as they line up against Oregon next week as they've got the, the veteran quarterback in Justin Herbert, um, a you know, you know very, very young, obviously, getting ready for high school last year at this time, quarterback for Auburn. You've got a great Oregon offensive line and a great Auburn defensive line. And there are other storylines, but I'm, we're a week away. I'm already excited about that game uh, as well, so it's opening up week one. Amen. I'm with you. When you broke down Bo Nix, um, and his play in, in preseason camp uh, video, if you were able to get that, and then also his high school tape. Give me a thumbnail sketch of him as a player. A little advanced as a decision maker. I think growing up, um, I, I, you, you make some assumptions as to why this is. I don't, I don't believe that I think some of the physical qualities are genetics. You know, his dad was a you know good quarterback, SEC caliber quarterback, obviously at Auburn, Patrick was. I think maybe because, and I'm just making this assumption, um, that because he kind of grew up around it and 
Uh, he's got unusual instincts for a young guy, knowing where to go with the football. He, again, is far from, you know, polished and uh, hasn't taken a, a snap in college football yet. So we, we don't know how it's going to go. You can only, to this, take it in stages. And, you know, I think he he's a, a bit of a flatliner, very poised. I think he's not going to shrink under the pressure of the moment. Oh, I'm sure he's going to be nervous. I'm sure there's going to be issues. And there will be moments where he's going to look like a true freshman that was in high school last year. I think that what he can do, though, is I think has a natural, instinctive ability to make plays, to make good decisions, to have good field vision, to be smart with the football, as smart as a young guy, as tempestuous as they tend to be, can be. Um and I think, you know, he's got a chance to have a really good career. How effective it can be early, though, is the real dynamic that's kind of interesting in this Auburn situation this year. We've talked about it all off offseason. Um, Auburn's got a really good team, I think, a really good de- – led by a really good defense. I think the, the offensive line will be improved from an experience standpoint and – you know, I think the quarterback position is so important, but you're putting it in the hands of a young guy. Either way, you went with this decision, and we know it's a the pressure that's on Gus Malzahn. I, I think it makes it interesting. I also think it makes it very tough for all involved. Agreed. <clears throat> and we'll get to more Auburn news here momentarily, but uh, first you believe Tommy Stevens will be named the starter at Mississippi State. He transferred. Uh, from Penn State, uh, where uh, Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator. So you think there's some familiarity there. Um, why Stevens? Well, I think he's he's really been able to seamlessly come in and kind of handle things in terms of running this offense. Uh, I think Keaton Thompson is very athletic. Uh, I think he can throw it. I don't think he's a really good passer, or certainly not as advanced as Stevens. I think it really comes down to this. When you look at quarterbacks, we can talk about a lot of different things. But, you know, it is, first of all, from a leadership standpoint, and I think both of these guys, just like both of the guys at Auburn, have the ability to kind of, you know, be a leader, work hard, do the things that you need to do. But as a passer, you got to know where to go with the football, and you got to be accurate once you decide where to go with it. And, and the guy that can do that the best, most consistently, is is the guy that, that ends up winning the job, and I think that's what's happening here and at Auburn. And so does that, again, mean that is long-term? Does it mean that they made a mistake? By no, because there's no sample size of preseason games. It's just scrimmages, practices, um, film room meetings. Uh, those things kind of help you determine your decision. And when you don't have enough to go on, in terms of game film and game, and, um, game action, you know, you've, you've got to make some decisions based upon what you know. I think that, that the Stevens' understanding of how to work some of the RPO elements of that offense helps him. Not that Keaton can't. In fact, I think he can fit that offense pretty well. I just think that Stevens is ahead right now. So I'd be very surprised if, 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 if it comes out and Thompson's named the starter over Stevens because my understanding is um, from the coaches there that, that, that Stevens is 
you know, been clearly the guy. So there's it would be interesting to see how they would play that out if if it goes the other way because that is not the word I'm getting from from inside that coaching staff. A ton of news around the SEC. This is kind of the final week of work for the the teams that get started next week, which would be all but uh, Florida, who starts this week. So uh, it's the last uh, little flurry of uh, putting in uh, a little bit of uh, continued install and preparation for the upcoming opponent and uh, a little bit of physicality left as well before you get to game week. So uh, there is some injury news we'll get to at uh, Auburn. Uh, Also, we'll get to Georgia, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast, and we mentioned the starting quarterback at Auburn at Bo Nix, but some other uh, health issues as well. If you want to kind of run down the injury report as they're trying to uh, get all healthy and ready to go by next week. Yeah, you know, uh, Georgia's, uh, everybody's kind of dealing with some of the hurts, but uh, N'Kobe Dean was not at practice on Tuesday. It's got a sprained ankle. Um, really, really, uh, the freshman linebacker is going to have an impact early. I think in the rotation, uh, I don't know how long it's going to be. It's tough when you hear it's an ankle. You don't know high ankle sprain, low low ankle sprain. I think folks are educated enough now to know about there's a huge difference in terms of lingering. The high ankle sprain is um, obviously takes a lot more of a healing compression to come back, um, and it's it's more lingering down the road. Jamari Saylor um, was um, was had a walking boot. Um, uh, fine offensive lineman. Um, he's uh, was a, a really productive player in reserve for them as a true freshman last year. And we're looking at that great offensive line that's got some depth that may be tested pretty early on that because walking boot, you know, can be uh, precautionary. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what comes out of that. We'll give an update tomorrow if we have it on uh, his status there. Um, at Auburn, we talked about Bo Nix, but uh, Coinus Miller returned to practice Tuesday uh, after uh, he was uh, he was uh, in practice on um, on Sunday, but had some uh, some health issues. Uh, after that, uh, he returned to practice. As did Will Hastings; he participated in practice with some knee soreness last week, missed some time. He's back. Um, Eli Stove came back. So, and Anthony Schwartz. The status is yet to be determined for um, his availability in the opener. So they're trying to get a little bit healthier at receiving. That's the other thing that's being done right now is you're trying to get a lot, enough work in to get them ready. But then some guys, are, and this is a byproduct, I believe, of you know not doing as much work physically in the offseason. I think when you try to do some of this work and you heat it up a little bit, uh, it makes it a little more difficult to kind of manage some of the injuries. So that's what's going on right now. Um, uh, I, you know, a couple of other news and notes. At South Carolina, it looks like at Brian McClendon, um, uh, uh, the offensive coordinator said that the uh, redshirt freshman quarterback, um, uh, Decaron Jarner, who's very athletic, has, has shown a willingness to play another position. We're going to see if they go through with that or not, or if it's just a cross-training situation. Uh, Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son, is running first team with LSU's offense because... Stephen Sullivan's missed the second straight practice due to 
uh, some injury issues of his own. So some good work for him, and both are intriguing, Dave, as they're H-back types. They're big receivers, small tight end receiving types. Sullivan is 6'5", 242. Moss 6'3", 240. Now, they're, that's huge for, you know, uh, flexed receivers or Y-flex guys, tight end flex guys. They're not inline guys. But um, the, the fact that they want to work the big, the tight end slash H-back in the passing game is interesting. And those are the two guys you got to remember the most. Uh, Damian Lewis, the fine offensive guard for LSU, missed Tuesday practice. Uh, as an issue. Tennessee's still wording uh, on a eligibility waiver for Aubrey Solomon as well. So uh, that's some of the news. And also, uh, Karad Garland, a redshirt freshman at Tennessee, returned to practice uh, as well, um, uh, returned to practice after entering his name in the transfer portal back in July. Apparently, he's uh, had a change of heart there. Some other news. Um, it, it looks like uh, the, the fine freshman out of Missouri, Maurice Massey, Probably not going to redshirt. They think he's going to have an impact and a help for them this year. And Albert O, the maybe the best tight end in the league, was a full participant in Tuesday's practice. So that's a run around the league as we have it. You can get more information like that over at LandryFootball.com, uh, not only around the SEC, but uh, around the country, organized by conference for you. So it's a good way to keep in touch on the pulse of college football. You mentioned Joyner at South Carolina freshman quarterback Ryan Helensky, a very highly rated uh, prospect coming out of high school, uh, will be the uh, the backup. Um, I'm curious what you think of Helensky. Is this uh, at any point this season? Uh, could you see him uh, pushing for more playing time, pushing for the starting job? Because I know they really like him. I don't think so. I, I think that Jake Bentley's problems def, definitely has been protecting the football. I, I really believe that South Carolina's issues have been tied to their inability to run the football and defend the run, which both are very surprising to me, considering at this stage of the program um, and what Will believes in, Will Muschamp believes in, and, and his lineage of growing up, um, defending the run is, is rule number one on defense. They've not done that well enough, and they haven't run the football that well. That's caused, I think, Bentley to you know, take too many chances, and I think that's the biggest issue. I think if they're going to be successful, they're, it, that Bentley's going to be a big part of the reason why. If they're not, I think that and, and the season looks like it's going in a different direction – then and only then, in my view, they would get Helensky in to maybe get an early start on developing the future with him. But I, I think it's Jake Bentley's offense to run, quite frankly, until he just plays his way out of it. And, uh, again, uh, I think that uh, that's going to require him to play really poorly, and he would have to be the reason. You know, a lot of times people want to see the change at quarterback, but that's, in many cases, not the problem. So why would you take – what is not the problem just because it's cosmetic or it's, uh, it's, it's you know, uh, some sort of a statement that, that, that all you do is make your team worse and hurt the rest of your team. So I, I think if they're going to be successful, it's going to be with Jake Bentley at quarterback this year. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see, though. Let me just throw this theory out there at you and <clears throat> tell me if you, you completely disagree. 
Will Muschamp is a fiery coach. Um, Bentley has the propensity to turn the ball over. It wouldn't stun me just on the outside looking in. For us, if, if there was a fiery decision made during the game, especially now since you could play a guy like Helensky four games mm-hmm. and still get the red shirt, it, it wouldn't stun me to try to get Bentley's attention if he were to throw three interceptions and a half, which is not outside the realm of possibility with his play. No, it wouldn't surprise me. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, that hasn't been the reason why I think they've been so poor protecting the football. I think the reason is they've not run the football well enough. So if that continues to be the problem, then you're basically putting Haliski in in the same situation that you've put Bentley in. So to me, um, you know, I, I can certainly see him doing it. And if Bentley is turning the football over and it is his fault and he's making bad decisions, then at that point it justifies making a move. Um, You know, what you do, you have to do what you think is best for the team. What I think is best for the team is, you know, you've got to – it's not just all on the quarterback. It is about how you play around him and how you coach around him and if you put any quarterback, I mean, any elite quarterback at the NFL level, at much less the college level, um, and you put them in difficult situations where they're playing from behind, um, it's not going to be real effective. Now, I do think Helensky's got maybe some ability movement-wise that they might like. So, yeah, as a change of pace, as a change of direction, if they feel like, look, they're not running it well enough, maybe they can do more stuff with the run game with Alinsky, yeah, I could see them doing that. That would justify it in my mind. I just kind of hearken to the fact that I think Bentley has ability, and I don't know how well coached he's been within that offense. And I think around him, the lack of a running game has absolutely killed him because that's what causes you to force the football when you are behind in games you know, you just can't play with the type of balance. And you're playing one hand tied behind your back because the defense knows what you have to do. The balance is the key to being successful in setting up your quarterback for success. And that's what I think they've, they've lacked the most at South Carolina. And so, I, I, But I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it develops during the course of the year. There's expectations at South Carolina this year. And I don't know how you can you justify the expectation in terms of wins and losses with that schedule. That, to me, is that is the that's a head-on collision waiting to happen. If you know what I mean. I mean that's just not that's not a good mix. I mean I can I can read I can write this headline right now is they're going to be ticked off in South Carolina because they're not having the type of season that as a fan base they think they're going to have. And quite frankly. Seven and six looks pretty good against that schedule, and they don't want to hear that because they think that they can win ten games, and they just they can't on that schedule. And so I, I I think it's going to be tough for the parties involved, quarterback, head coach included, but I think it's not necessarily going to be justified as as people think. Stay tuned. Coming up, I want to pick Chris's brain on these. Uh, eligibility waivers and how some seem to get done in a snap of a finger and then 
Others seem to take forever. More after this, you're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. you got to check out that website, LandryFootball.com. It is absolutely phenomenal if you want uh, more in-depth info about the NFL, about college, or even recruiting. And I, I don't know what to <clears throat> think about these eligibility waivers, Chris. Um, it seems like uh, the trend has been at first, everybody's immediately eligible. And then uh, the NCAA kind of tightened down and maybe like a pendulum uh, went the other direction. And now you got a couple of guys. <clears throat> One is uh, tied in Nick Muse at South Carolina that is having trouble, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, becoming eligible. But the one that's really significant for those that follow Tennessee football is Aubrey Solomon, mm-hmm. because Aubrey Solomon would be a starter, most likely, on this defensive line, and that's a, a weakness for the for the team. And Tennessee just has to wait and wait and wait. How do you prepare for the season when you're unsure if a guy's going to be there or not? Well, it's tough because, you know, he's a guy you need to get ready to play, if he becomes eligible, you've got to give him enough reps to be ready to play. However, if he's not eligible, the reps you give him is taken away from the guys that now have to play. So you really darn if you do, darn if you don't. It's a it's a guessing game. I think the only thing you can do, and they know more about his situation, is have a uh, educated guess on what the likely ruling is going to be, and then you divvy up your reps accordingly. So he's getting reps, but just how many and how much um, is is the trick there. In terms of overall, I think you hit it on the head. They, in a general sense, they were very lenient. And this is part of the problem that I have of it's a very reactive and not proactive uh, governing body. And so because of all the immediate rubber stamp, he's eligible right away, I am convinced that as all was in the wake of got to pay the players, got to pay the players, got to pay the players. So well, let's give them this. Let's, let's let them transfer and, and you know, let's, let's get away from that topic. And it's almost like the political narrative. When something bad happens, then, then you see the, the PR side of it try to throw out something else so to get the news cycle moved to where nobody's talking about topic A and they're on to topic B. This is kind of how this governing body tends to work. It's so frustrating. And um, now it's a little bit, well, we're making it too easy, and this let, let's make it tough. So we need to try – to reduce the amount of transfers so that what's the way to do that? Well, you try to get people to stop speeding, what do you do? Have a cop get in a certain area, start writing tickets. You do that for a while, you program folks that when you go at that intersection, you better be careful, you better slow down, they're going to write tickets. It's kind of what they do. This is what's being done now. Now, the level of specificity with each and every situation, I can't speak to. I, I You know... You hear things and reporting of what well, this guy's this, he's, you know, but you don't know what's happening behind the scenes, what the real issues are that are going to be uh, ruled upon 
And so certain situations, if we knew all the information, it might make more sense of why this guy was given immediate eligibility versus this guy who wasn't. But the lack of consistency is is really frustrating. It is really frustrating for, obviously, the coaches involved in it um, and certainly the players. It's really unfair, and I don't, I don't think they've been prepared for this. And I think they're, they're getting the reaction, and now they're reacting to the reaction, and it's going the other way. It, it's just – it's kind of – a lot of like the, what we call the unintended consequences of a lot of decisions that they make, it's just not it's just not really good for the game, which is why I say more and more, and I'm going to pound this and pound this and pound this until they get somebody, and I don't know for the life of me. I mean, it's egos, but you've got the NCAA is its university members and its university presidents who have no clue how to make decisions like this. And they, there needs to be a governing body, I believe, for every sport. A quasi-college football commissioner, a college basketball commissioner that is very experienced into the rules of that sport and is very in tune with the coaches, can speak for the coaches, and can help make rules that make sense for that sport the players, the coaches, and the administrators involved in that sport. Trying to make one-size-fit-all makes about as much sense as a 5'10", you know, 175-pound guy and a 6'5", 310-pound guy going into the same clothing shop and putting on the same pair of pants and thinking, well, they're a pair of pants. They, they'll fit both of us. They don't. And that's, that's what I think is lost and this is why I think we have so many asinine decisions that are coming down uh, time and time again. Totally agree. That's your Locked On SEC football podcast. Uh, we will talk to you on a Thursday, and at that point we'll be two days away from games. So week zero action in order. So have a fantastic afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com, I'm Dave Hooker. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast.